Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Good evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour for Monday, October the 25th, 2021. This is Air Force veteran David Corey along with Richard Hurley. We have a very special guest with us this evening who will be introduced by Richard Hurley. So let's go over to Richard. Hello, Richard. Hey, David, and thanks very much. Uh, good evening, everybody. I want to welcome you to uh, another spectacular evening of the Veterans News Hour. Uh, we do have a special guest tonight. Uh, Mr. Mike Partain. Uh, he's going to discuss the issues of the toxic water contamination at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, between 1953 and 1987. Before we get to Mike, I want to remind everybody that this is a call-in show that welcomes your views, your comments, and questions. So you can call us at any time during the show at 1-888-627-6008. Again, the toll-free number is 1-888-627-6008. Hope to hear from some of those men and women veterans who are on the Camp Lejeune Water Contamination Facebook site. Mike's uh, administrator of that site. So if you uh, want to call in during the show, please do. Mike's been a guest of ours for quite some time. Uh, he's the co-founder and public spokesman for an organization called The Few, The Proud, The Forgotten. From 1953 until 1987, the base water supply for Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune North Carolina was highly contaminated with industrial chemicals. For the, past, for the past decades, he has served as a community representative to the estimated 1 million sailors, Marines, and their families potentially affected by the Camp Lejeune contamination. He has testified before Congress, and he was invited as a special guest to the White House in 2012 for the signing of the Jenny Ensminger Act into law. Much of his group's fight for justice was chronicled in the award-winning documentary Semper Fi, Always Faithful. So without further delay, I'd like to welcome Mike. How you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Uh, we're doing okay here, still grinding it out here, trying to help our veterans. You know, you've, <laughs> you've been a guest on our show a bunch of times, and I'm sure some people remember you being on the show and, and your story. But before we get into some of the issues you and I had talked to prior to going on the air tonight, which in, involves uh, the Camp Lejeune Justice Act of 2021, uh, the residuals involving uh, certain disabilities such as kidney and prostate cancer, just give everyone just a brief background of your own uh, involvement with, uh, your personal involvement with Camp Lejeune. Sure. Um, well, as... Um you know, we've talked about before, um, you know, thank you for having me on the show again tonight. Um, I was born at Camp Lejeune in 1968, and, um, you know, my father was a Marine officer. And we didn't think much of um, Camp Lejeune uh, while we were there. My father was um, deployed to Vietnam shortly after I was born, and then my mother um, actually relocated over to the West Coast and while he was in Vietnam, we stayed with my grandparents. My grandfather was a Marine officer as well, and he had just retired from the Marine Corps. And for most of my life, Camp Lejeune meant nothing more to me than just a long name that I had to bubble in on the bubble sheets when I was in school. 
that all changed about 15 years ago when I was out of the blue diagnosed with male breast cancer. Uh, I do not drink or do not smoke, and uh, I do not carry the genetic markers for for male breast cancer, which makes it uh, very rare. Um, the, the disease itself is actually, over the past 15 years, we found roughly around 125 other men who have single commonality of exposure to the contaminated water aboard Camp Lejeune and male breast cancer. Um, after I was diagnosed, I, I met um, Jerry Ensminger, uh, who his little girl was conceived in the same neighborhood that I was born in. Uh, she was actually born down in uh, Paris Island. But uh, his youngest daughter, Janie, uh, contracted uh, leukemia at the age of nine and passed away in 1985. Uh, he, Jerry himself, retired from the Marine Corps in 1995 after I think, 25 years. And he found out about Camp Lejeune shortly afterwards and began fighting. Uh, for justice for the families and for the service members. Um, you know, that began in 1997, and I didn't get involved in this until 2007, a full 10 years after Jerry first uh, started trying to investigate. Uh, <clears throat> the the issue itself uh, has undergone, you know, transformation from at the beginning of the fight when I was uh, in this, it was just, uh, uh, it was an off-base dry cleaner that caused contamination. and through our research and testifying in Congress, a, a fuller picture of what transpired aboard the base is, is materialized over the past 15 years. And that picture is is that, yes, there was a off-base dry cleaner that contributed to some of the poisoning of the contaminant, I mean, of the drinking water aboard Camp Lejeune, but the the worst of, uh, of the contamination aboard the base actually was, um, was accomplished or, or was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Sorry, I just drew a blank here. But it was the worst of the contamination was uh, the responsibility of the United States Marine Corps through them dumping uh, trichloroethylene, tetrachloroethylene in uh, various areas aboard the base, and then that uh, dumping leading to groundwater contamination and also drinking water contamination. And then the other source was the uh, base fuel depot, uh, which was installed in 1942 during the World War II. Uh, that uh, fuel depot was leaking over the course of 50 years, and over that uh, over that time period, the fuel depot lost about 1.5 million gallons of water. I mean, sorry, 1.5 million gallons of fuel into the drinking water um, groundwater that was used for drinking water water aboard the base. Um, you know, this is a mess, and it's one of the largest drinking water contaminations, uh, domestic drinking water contamination. In this country, they estimate the ATSDR estimates about a one million Marines and their families were exposed between 1953 and 1987. And um, you would think this fight would be resolved um, in, in various ways it has, but part of the reason why I'm here tonight is because the fight still goes on. Um, 2012, we, we we did accomplish our first victory, which was the Jane Jane Insminger Act being passed into law which gave limited health care to both uh, dependents and uh, service members aboard the base for 15 main conditions. Then in 2017, we uh, actually had a presumptive service connection established for the service members uh, at Camp Lejeune, uh, both Marine, Navy, um, service personnel. <clears throat> During that same time frame, uh, we also had a major setback in the form of a Supreme Court decision 
which is part of what we're going to talk about tonight, um, the Supreme Court heard a outlying case called Warburger versus uh, CTS Corporation, in which a private polluter was dumping trichloroethylene into the um, in their facility and poisoned the neighborhoods around their facility. They were sued and had lost, and uh, that uh, the government actually uh, went to the private polluter in an attempt to get an appeal to the Supreme Court, which they did. And in a long t- story short, uh, the Supreme Court accepted the case and then made a what I would call controversial ruling where they said that a, the state law for North Carolina superseded federal law and in, in essence give um, the government a get-out-of-jail-free card for their negligence and exposures they can't present. Now, before we get to the... Uh... Uh, the, the current situation with the Camp Lejeune Justice Act. Uh, you talked, you said that, uh, there's, there's seven presumption, uh, disabilities conditions, medical conditions that are recognized now by the VA. But prior to that, there were 15 that the, uh, VA was treating for and continues to treat for. Uh, but only seven made the presumptive list, right? Yeah, there was 15 conditions that were um, uh, listed under the original 2012 Health Care Act. The VA, uh, when they announced their presumptive service connections, narrowed that list down. I believe it's eight. It's um, adult leukemia, aplastic anemia, and other myoplastic syndromes, bladder cancer, kidney cancer, liver cancer, multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and Parkinson's disease. Now, the, the 15 yeah, yeah. name conditions also included um, male and female breast cancer, and as you'll note, they're not on the presumptive service connections. So during the course of your, um, and this kind of this kind of gets into the craziness of all this legislation, during the course of, of, of you and Jerry working on on getting the, the, the Ensminger Act passed, uh, what were some of your experiences in, in dealing with uh, Congress, possibly, who, you know, trying to get all 15 listed as presumptive and they, they end up with eight? And we know how, well, the, how Congress, were, you know, chops things up. But what was your experience with all that? Yeah. Well, um, and the original 15 that were passed in 2012 as part of the Jenny Insurer Act, um, the biggest frustration, and it remains today as well, uh, is that when we did go to Congress, the, the big question was, well, how are we going to pay for this? And uh, it, to me, that's insulting uh, as a family member. I couldn't imagine um, hearing those words of being a veteran and, you know, signing up to, to put your life on the line and then also realizing that you're putting your family's life on the line because, you know, they're being exposed to contaminated drinking water. And then when the whole thing comes out in the wash and it finds out that, you know, the Marine Corps is ultimately responsible for this. It's not how can we take care of you uh, and your family. It's how we're going to pay for this. Now, in 2012, we rectified that by having the, the bill um, attached to the National Defense Authorization Act. And then uh, once that passed, our the initial bill passed for the uh, Janie Inspector Act. The 15 conditions at the time were conditions that were identified by ATSDR. Um, which is the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry. Uh, they're the government agency that's responsible for studying health outcomes uh, at Superfund sites such as Camp Lejeune. 
Now, the difference is when you're talking about the eight conditions that are on the presumptive list, uh, Congress really didn't, uh, they did not delineate that list as far as uh, which conditions were on there. That was done by the VA and ATSCR, but more so uh, arbitrarily done, uh, done by the VA. Originally, the list was going to contain three conditions, and we fought tooth and nail uh, to get the others added on. Um, they're supposed to go back and review these conditions every three years or so, and uh, I don't think that that's happened as often as it should have because we're what um, at least had at least should have had one cycle review for the uh, presumptives, but we have not, as far as my knowledge. So that's a great segue into the uh, Camp Lejeune Justice Act in terms of the the, the budget because uh, that act, which is HR two one nine two, as I understand it, would allow service members, their families, or civilian workers who drank and bathed in toxic waters at Camp Lejeune for at least 30 days from August 53 to December of 87 to be able to file a claim and bring a lawsuit for the District of Eastern District of North Carolina in order to present evidence that their health issues uh, or their loved ones' uh, death may be linked to the exposure. And as, as you and I discussed earlier, part of the problem there is also the budget issue. Explain that one. Yes. Uh, once again, you know, especially these days now, um, you know, anything getting getting anything to Congress is, is um, markedly uh, more difficult than it was ten years ago, um, and a lot of it has to do with the dysfunction in Congress and the, and the partisan politics. Um, and unfortunately, that's you know, once again, you know, here's a veterans issue that transcends both party lines uh, for Democrats and Republicans. You know, these are our American servicemen and women and their families that we're talking about. And, uh, Congress just can't seem to get their act together. Um, the, the, the other issue is, you know, that we're hearing how, how is this going to be paid for? Um, meaning where's the funding come, coming from? Because the, the bill itself isn't going to cost anything, but what it, what it's doing and, you know, the, the heart of the matter with the bill in 2015, when the Supreme Court ruled on the Wahlberger versus CPS Corporation, what they what effectively did is it slammed the door on the families and the veterans who were exposed to Camp Jim. Because in essence, um, the Supreme Court ruling state uh, basically held that a state statute of repose superseded the circular two-year statute of uh, limitations. And that statute of repose meant that um, the, the families and um, service members at Camp Lejeune had to turn in a claim for their exposures and diseases caused by the drinking water by 1995, which was, in my case, 12 years before I even knew I had cancer or even that I had been exposed. So in essence, um, the, the Supreme Court ruling also created a secondary uh, problem in the fact that if a, in North Carolina or any state, uh, any or in any state that you have a statute of repose, if a private polluter hides their crime and their transgressions for 10 years, then they get a get out of jail free card. Now, the legislation that we've, um, HR 2192, the purpose of that isn't to give, it's not a settlement, it's not, you know, a payout for the families, it's not costing anything, but what it's asking for and what it's providing is for the families and also for the servicemen and women who are exposed to be able to bring their cases in the, uh, in the court system and have our civil rights restored. 
Um, of course, if we're if we're able to prevail, then there's a monetary cost that comes out of that. But we're not asking for a free handout. We just want our day in court, and we want justice to be heard. We have and a caller on line. Understanding this. Hey, Rick. We have a caller. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we have a caller on line show. one. Hello. 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 Good evening. Hi, uh, good evening. Uh, uh, what an honor to talk to you guys. Uh, my name is Chip Rushing, and uh, uh, hello, David, uh, Rick, and um, and Mike. Appreciate uh, being able to be on the show. I'm a Camp Lejeune Marine. What's your question, Chip? Yeah, I was trying to find out where where do we stand with the uh, Camp Lejeune Justice Act uh, now that it just seems to be shelved. Where do we go from here? Well, right now, in my understanding, is that the act is kind of stuck in subcommittee. And <clears throat> what we've been, excuse me, I've got a fog in my throat tonight here. Uh, what we've been trying to do is get some leverage. Um, like, Chip, what, what, um, what state are you in? I'm in Texas. Okay. So in Texas, you've got your congressman and then you've got two senators. And what, yeah. you know, one of the things that has been a problem with Camp Lejeune is that we're spread all over the country. I'm in Florida. Um, there's people right. in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, all over the, all over the state. But if we can get people such as yourself to get locally involved, contact your, your two senators and say, Hey, I was at Camp Lejeune. I've been affected by this. This bill is important to me and it needs to be passed. And the same thing with your your con, uh, congressional office. Um, you know, right. it takes a little work. Uh, you don't have to go to Washington like Jerry and I did, but you can call your local offices. Like, for example, we have a, a veteran uh, a, a veteran family up in Washington State that reached out to me after I posted uh, about doing this on our Facebook page and scheduled a meeting with her congressional representative and met with them and said, look, this is what's going on at Camp Lejeune. Yes, that's over North Carolina, but I'm here in Washington. My husband has passed away, and, you know, this has affected us. Mm. I, I want you interested on the bill. If everybody who uh, is on the Marine Corps' registry, which is like 270,000 people, were to do that together, this this bill would get passed pretty quick. Yeah, I bet it would. sense? Um, yeah, it does. You know, I've, um, I've had liver cancer. Um, uh, and a transplant and I've just come down with, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So yeah, it makes, a, uh, we really need to get something going. My, uh, my, uh, second question I have real quick is, uh, is there a national organize, organization that just represents Camp Lejeune victims like the, uh, American Legion or the, uh, DFW, something like that? We need to get organized. Yeah, and um, in the past, we've had uh, the service organizations help us. Um, we've also had some um, resistance from the service organizations. Uh, they don't necessarily represent us. What they do is they do go out on behalf of the veterans and families and, and try to get things done. Uh, the American Legion uh, several years ago did a big story about Camp Lejeune, and their membership has been supportive. Uh, one of the issues that the, the service organizations have faced in the past is unlike Vietnam or the Gulf War or, you know, World War One, World War Two, you're dealing with servicemen and women who are exposed to uh, things or had things happen to them, but you're also dealing with the family. 
because this is a domestic exposure that took place on American soil. So my parents were exposed, so was I, but I wasn't a Marine. Now, um, Uh, so that, that's been problematic. Um, the best organization for us, uh, honestly, is us getting together and it's, it's hard for us because the fact that we are scattered and we don't know each other, uh, we do have some a lot of visibility on Facebook. Our the the Camp Lejeune Toxic Water Survivors Facebook page has about seventeen thousand members, and we've been able to leverage things together. But um, you know, honestly, there's a lot of people that just want to bellyache and complain and not take the effort to go out and call their local congressional offices, set up meetings, and say, hey, look. Here I am. I have breast cancer. I've been uh, affected by Lejeune. What are you going to do? You know, here's the bill. Are you going to co-sponsor it? I believe um, HR 2192 has about 60, 60 or so co-sponsors right now throughout the um, throughout Congress. So there's a lot of people that actually can still it went to, it's, it's actually it went up to 75. Okay, to 75 now. Okay. So yeah. you know that that's important and. Once we get this, uh, and there's some, there's a lot of behind the scenes things that are going on, uh, that we're trying to get the bill, uh, moved in Congress, but the more pressure the community can apply, the better off we are. Now, Chip, you had mentioned you had, uh, liver cancer and now diagnosed with non-Hodgkin. Are, those are both presumptive service connections. Are you service connected for cancer? Uh, I'm on the registry. Uh, and, uh, I have, um, one disability has been approved, uh, but it's not the liver cancer and it's not the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So, okay. um, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on that. Yeah. And well, that, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but you know, that's, that's something you definitely need to run down because, uh, they're both presumptive service connections, both liver cancer and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And while you're actively treating, my understanding is you're hundred uh, percent disabled. So, you know, that's what I thought. I talked, I, I talked to a VA representative today and he, he, uh, told me he didn't know anything about Camp Lejeune, uh, or that we were <laughs> supposed to get a hundred percent. Actually, he did tell me that today and I was like, uh, uh no, actually we're supposed to get that as a presumptive condition to be a hundred percent. And he said, well, I don't know anything about that. I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to do some research on it. I said, okay. No, it's on their website. He's a VA and, uh, yeah, it's on their website, and these two guys here—if you, if you don't get anywhere—that's what they do. Talk to them too, Rick and Dave. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, what an honor to talk to you, sir. I really do, I really do uh, appreciate all your hard work and uh, diligence. Uh, it, it really means a lot to us Marines to have someone like you out there in our corner and really pushing for us. I do appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, I. Um, I found out about this through accident and, you know, it just, the fact that they knew that I had been exposed and failed to tell my family and myself that this had happened. Uh, if it hadn't, for me in my case, if it hadn't been for a hug from my wife, I probably wouldn't be dead by now. Um, I was very lucky that the cancer that was inside me did not spread to other parts of my body. Uh, Chip, what, oh what, uh, what, um, where were, uh, what years were you aboard the base and where were you at? I was uh New River and uh okay. Air Station and I was there uh seventy seventy four and seventy five. Okay. So you're you're in the middle of that too. So um I mean as long as yeah, we as long as you've got the requirements for, say again? 
We were just south of the Hattie Point. Uh, we shared the Hattie Point uh, wells, and that was just uh, south of Camp Geiger. Okay. Yeah, the New, Ri- New River had its own issues with water, too. They had saltwater intrusions and what they call te- uh, trihelomethane issues. But for purposes of Camp Lejeune, they do not delineate Camp Geiger, Camp Johnson, the, the Rifle Range, right. New River, Padna Point. That is all one big installation, and if you were aboard that installation between 1953 and 1987, you are considered exposed. That's part of the presumptive service yes. connection that we fought for. Yeah, I just wish I could get the, the VA to realize I filed the claim for the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma separately, uh, but they uh, linked it with uh, a couple of other claims that I've got, so it's just dragging, I guess. And when I asked the guy today, he said he didn't know anything about it. I was told by the Marine Corps that it's supposed to be, uh, because it's a presumptive condition from Camp Lejeune, that we were supposed to expedite that part. Um yeah, uh, because it's a presumptive condition, and you get a hundred percent. But they told me they didn't know anything about it. Chip, can I ask well, this, I, David Corey? Can I ask a question, Chip? Um, about who, yeah. who is your who is your representative? If you want to share that information, because um, you say a, a VA representative, but normally I would, you know, are, are you talking about a veteran service officer, like from your state or from your county or from? I called the I called the Waco. Uh, uh, where my, my claim is, I'm in Texas, so my claim is in Waco, and I talked to a VA rep there at the VA. I see. Okay. I, I wasn't sure whether it was um, actually an employee of the federal VA or whether it was, because I have a lot of veterans that will say, I talked to someone at the VA and ends up with who they talked to was like a county service officer or something. Right, you know? right, right. This, this guy was at the regional VA office. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and okay, Chip, I'm don't be afraid that. to don't be afraid to contact your uh, senators and your uh, congressional staff and ask for assistance too. Um, like I said, the yeah. purpose of the presumptive is that you don't have to go through all this red tape. Um, you know, you've got uh, what's his name, Ted Cruz over there. Uh, he, by the way, his office was one of the ones in 2011 that was going, "How are we going to pay for this?" When I had a meeting with their general counsel staff, um, so he's not high on my list to be honest with you. Um, but the, <laughs> You know, yeah. call, you know, talk to them and call them up, and that's a good way to, you know, put your foot in the door and say, what's going on with H.R. 2192? I will. I will. I, I've got a call in to uh, Michael Burgess right now, who's a, um, a, my uh, congressman from my area already. So I'm, I'm waiting for the call back on him. But I do appreciate you. I, do, I really do. I've, I've been following you uh Mike, for uh, a while, and I'm I really honored to talk to you. Oh, likewise, and uh, thank you for what you do, and uh, you know, God bless with your your fight there. I know cancer is not a not an easy thing, and uh, you know, thank you for your service. And uh, let me know. You Thanks, know, Chip. If you don't get anywhere, you know, you know how to get a hold of me. Are you on the Facebook page? Yeah, yeah. If you don't get anywhere, let yeah. me know, please. I sure will. Thank you very much, Thank Chip. You so much. Appreciate the call. Okay, bye bye. Karen, God bless, Chip. Well, that was a that was a good call. Yeah, he uh, the, the comment about uh, uh, Ted Cruz, um, 2011. He was wondering where the money was coming from then, too, huh? Yeah, his his general uh, counsel was one of the meetings that Jerry and I were at, and uh, that was one of the first words out of his mouth: "How we're going to pay for this." I wanted to walk up and slap him, to be honest with you. 
I would think what he ought to be yeah. doing is asking that question of himself and say, let's find a way to pay for it instead of putting the burden on the veterans to go find a way. You know what I mean? That's their job. That's their that's their road, basically. That's their niche to, to figure out how to get things done. So, well, I mean, if this country is going to ask, if this country is going to ask our young men and women to serve and, you know, volunteer and protect our country. And, you know, bad things happen. I mean, that's, the, that's part and parcel of being in the military. There's accidents, there's combat, you know, things happen to our veterans, but there should never be a fight over, you know, if something bad happens to a veteran of who's going to pay for it and how they're going to pay for it. It should be no questions asked. And we know the water was contaminated. We know that the uh, the substances in the water, which are trichloroethylene, tetrachloroethylene, um, vinyl chloride, and benzene, were the four main ones. There's others, but those are the four ones that we know that were documented in the water that made it to the finished water where people were drinking it. And of those four chemicals, three of them are known human carcinogens. So why are we arguing this? And why is this now? You know, 15 years later, we're still arguing how we're going to pay for them. That, that's the frustrating part uh, for me. John, the, uh, the, the Camp Lucian Justice Act, uh, 2021, you and I were talking and you had made, you had mentioned to me that apparently they, they were wondering how they were going to budget it. And, and the number was, I was kind of shocked that they were, that this number would be a, a, a problem, which was five million. No, five billion. Consider how much money we've spent on wars. You said billion, Rick. Billion. Yeah, it's billion. You said billion. Oh, I misunderstood. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you said million when we talked. No. Okay. Now, the Congressional Budgeting Office uh, had estimated five billion dollars. Now, it's not to fund the bill. That's the estimated um, expenses the government would incur. You know, as if these were, you know, like I said, just the bill doesn't give anything out. It just allows the tort cases to proceed to have our civil rights restored. I mean, and that, you think about this, we're, that's, we're just asking to have our day in court. Let the facts speak for themselves. I mean, the government uh, used the technicality and a legal uh, maneuver to, to shirk their responsibilities to the veterans and their families. And we're not asking for a free handout. We just want our day in court. So the $5 billion that the CBO estimates would be the cost of the bill would be is an estimated uh, if things went bad for the government. It may not. But the, the thing is that the $5 billion ultimately is re- the responsibility of the Department of Defense. It needs to come out of their budget. And I'm sure they can find $5 billion and a couple of toilet seats and screws and rolls of toilet paper laying around um, and, and get that money together. You'd think so. You'd think so. You know, it's, uh, another part of, you know, David and I did a documentary a couple of years ago on the cost of war. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that we, we were arguing, you know, and it, or not. Yeah, arguing, there's always a hidden cost. Focusing thing. on it, the cost of war. Yeah. Now, another thing I, I wanted to go into before, uh, you can, you have to leave us again is we want to get into the issue regarding residuals, uh, regarding uh, kidney disabilities and, and prostate cancer issues. And, uh, you know, this is a situation where a veteran will be receiving 100% and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, let's say for kidney condition. And then all of a sudden, uh, the VA turns around and says, well, you, you've recovered. You're better, whatever terminology they want to use. 
and they knock you down to zero. And this is an ongoing issue that I know David and I deal with all the time with our veterans, and it forces us up on appeal. And I know you wanted to address that. Yeah, and this is something that I've brought up in the past and continue to bring up because I hear it happening over and over again. And it is twofold or two parts of this. One is you've got um, things like kidney. I've, and last week I had this actually come up as a question in our um, Facebook site where a veteran who had kidney cancer and had surgery for kidney cancer and they removed the cancerous part of his kidney. Um, he was 100% while all that was going on. But once the surgery was complete and he recovered from the surgery, they dropped them down to zero. And um, that's frustrating because, and, and I speak as a cancer survivor and undergoing chemotherapy and, you know, having surgeries myself, um, it's just almost 15 years for me since I went through my ordeal. And I still deal with the effects of my treatments every day. I have neuropathy in my feet really bad. Um, I became diabetic during chemotherapy because they had me jack up on prednisone. Um, I've got numbness in my chest and I've got, you know, some nerve damage because I had a, a mastectomy where they removed my uh, right side of my chest uh, with the breast tissue. And, you know, those things are there with me. How can you, you know, if I was a veteran and you had, you know, surgery, chemotherapy, damage to an organ, how can the VA in good conscience rate that 0%? Well, you know, the problem, the problem as I see it, and David, please chime in on this one too. The problem as I see it is that when a veteran has a claim, um, and he gets the, to, he gets a hundred percent, uh, and then it's going to be reduced during the process of that reduction, the VA fails and uh, to properly, uh, examine the veteran ask the appropriate questions of the veteran with regard to the residuals. And I know when I get the cases after, for for instance, when it goes down to zero, um, and I ask the veteran, you know, when you spoke to the VA, when you went in for your examination, did you tell them, for instance, are you wearing diapers? How often are you urinating? Are you urinating at night? These are all the factors that the VA is supposed to take into consideration when they're doing a, a rating, yes, they can knock, they can reduce it from from a hundred. But when you take in all these factors of the uh, symptomology of the veteran, that would get them anywhere from twenty to sixty, for instance. And and I think that's where the failure is. Uh, you know, the, the veteran shouldn't have to come into my office or David's office or another lawyer's office and now have to argue on appeal, why he has to go from zero to 20, 40, or 60. The VA should be doing that on their own, which maybe I'm expecting too much, but but that's that's where the system, again, is flawed. David, what do you think? Well, I, I agree. I think they shouldn't be making it so difficult. I've got a question uh, real, on, a, on, a, on a separate issue, though, but related to... Um, you know, the, the Camp Lejeune Act and also North Carolina. <clears throat> Back um, about 2017, we had a guest on our show who was Le- Larry Hall, who was then the secretary of the North Carolina Department of VA, you know, the state-level VA, not the federal VA. So he was a state, he was the head of the state organization. 
And whenever he was a guest on our show, among the other issues he talked about, many issues, was the Camp Lejeune issue. All right, it was it was an issue that that he was quite familiar with. Secretary Hall, you know, he left his office uh, January of this year, and, and the current Secretary of the North Carolina VA is uh, happens to be a retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Walter Gaskin, and that's sort of the background of my question, or you know, just to get your thoughts, Mike, which, which would be, you know, part of the whole problem with, uh, as you were describing about the ability to sue, you know, as I understand it, uh, you know, there was an interplay with North Carolina law, and I would think, you know, um, it it would make sense to me to get, you know, the, the, the North Carolina State Department of VA. I realize this affects Marines who are now scattered across the nation, but because, you know, North Carolina is the home of Camp Lejeune, uh, you know, to get someone like Secretary Gaskin, who himself retired uh, Marine Corps three-star general. And in fact, he was, uh, at one point, he was the commanding general of the 2nd Marine Division at Camp Lejeune. You know, to, to get his um, his support, to get his influence, any thoughts on any of that? It's a long question, I suppose. But. Yeah, I w- it would be nice if, uh, to talk to him. and uh, Jerry and I would love to both talk to him. Um, if he's willing, but, um, on your point, after that disastrous Supreme Court here, uh, ruling in 2015, the, the North Carolina legislator, legislature actually went back and Rick Caitlin, uh, who has a title of June as well, I'll say that for another day, but, uh, Catlin, um, introduced a measure that, um, basically said the Supreme Court didn't interpret their law right. And that the the statute of repose did not uh, apply to toxic torts. That measure actually passed both houses of the North Carolina legislature, and then was signed into the gover- uh, by the governor into law. And the Supreme Court refused to hear it. They said that after the fact, and and basically ignored it and refused to reconsider. And by the way, that that piece of legislation was passed unanimously in both the House and the Senate for North Carolina. Now, you know how often does that does that happen? Yeah, that's 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 really something. It just shows how you know what a legal quagmire this whole thing is. You know that that there's so many pitfalls. Well, it's there a legal quagmire because the Department of Justice chose to make it that. I mean, prior to this whole thing, the, the legal shenanigans with the Supreme Court and the Wahlberg versus CTS Corporation ruling, um, the government was losing. The, the cases were proceeding in federal court, which is very difficult for the plaintiff to, to move forward. And we were winning our cases. And this, you know, this statute of repose, basically the, the nutshell on it is that, you know, it gave the government a way to shut the door by 10 years of the last action of the polluter. So they shut the wells down in 1985. And they're arguing 1995 is their, you know, their 10 year get out of jail free card. Now I can argue that, you know, different dates, but you know, none of that is, um, has prevailed in court. So until we get this bottleneck, which is what HR 2192, um, uh, proposes to do, uh, removed, you know, the families are, are going nowhere and the Marines and the sailors as well. 
Can can you tell us again? Go ahead. Can you tell us again, like which subcommittee this thing is 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 jammed up in right now, where it's sitting? Well, I'm looking on uh, Congress.gov, and according to there, uh, on October 19th, 2021, it was referred to the subcommittee on Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties. And um, you know, to get it unjammed, what needs to happen is the community needs to step out and each person call their congressional offices and get them engaged. You know, you can't, I'm in Florida. I can't call up to North Carolina and say, hey, vote for this bill because they're not my representative. My representative is here in Florida and I've got two U.S. senators and I have one congressman. And, um, and believe me that, you know, if everyone called their personal congressman and their senators from their state, and did this concertedly, this issue would, you know, would be resolved when we get moving forward again. Five you know, million dollars in our budget. I'll, I'll give you one, one better on that. <clears throat> Here in Florida, I called a congressman who's, I'm not in his jurisdiction, and uh, but I was throwing out some questions out there, and I was even inviting the congressman on our show, and I got based, essentially hung up on and before they hung up on me, they said, well, you're not part of his district. Yeah. And that was it. They hung up the phone. Yeah, and they'll do that. I mean, that's, um, you know, with our communication age and how we can reach out all over the world, I mean, we're calling from Florida, Texas, and what have you, and we're reaching people across the country. Um, it is possible for people to you know, influence or try to influence congressional members that are not necessarily theirs. Um, that's why it's important that if you live in the district, look up, you know, just Google, who's my congressman? Put your zip code in, and it'll tell you who your congressman is. Then call them. Say, hey, I'm your constituent. I was at Camp Lejeune. I am interested in H.R. 2192 and that this uh, bill be passed, and I want to come meet with you know, your staff. That's all you need to do. And then you know, if you have questions, we put information out on the Facebook page on things you can talk about. It's not, you know, it's not necessarily rocket science. You don't have to make something up. Um, you know, the, the facts are there. The research is done. And, you know, the information is there. This is not a, a controversial issue in that sense. You know, we know we were poisoned. We know when it happened and how bad it was. And we know the outcomes. So we just need the pressure from the community to say, hey, you need to take care of us. That says it all. Before we let you go, Mike, is there anything you want to talk to say anything more about the residual issue? Because I know that's kind of... Uh, yeah, the other, the other well. thing is, um, you know, in the community, if you are one of those individuals that um, have been rated and, you know, were receiving benefits or had your treatments and they dropped you down to zero and you've had surgery, chemotherapy... Uh, parts of organs removed, please reach out to me, uh, through the Facebook page. Um, you know, I'd like to talk to you because we do bring that up and that's something, um, because of the pandemic, we normally bring these things up during the CAP meetings, uh, that we hold with ATSDR. Uh, unfortunately with the pandemic, uh, those are pretty much, um, the, the, in, the in-person meetings have gone away and we're just dealing, you know, over the phone. Uh, the other thing is, um, if you have a condition, uh, like uh, kidney disease that isn't necessarily kidney cancer and you're being denied, uh, likewise, please reach out to me because that's one of the things 
that we've been fighting the VA on. Uh, there is a kidney disease linked to these chemicals. Uh, it was looked at by the Institute of Medicine back in two, February 2015, and a recommendation was made to the VA to give the veterans the benefit of the doubt. Here we are six years later, and they're still denying people for kidney disease, and we don't understand why. Well, Mike, thanks so much for being on our show tonight. We wish you uh, continued success in the future, and, you know, like Chip said, keep up the great work because uh, without uh, individuals like yourself, who knows where we'd be at this point. Well, thank you, and uh, it's the right thing to do. I mean, that's the responsibility as a citizen is to stand up and and speak out when it's time. And that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, 14, 15 years, and Jerry for the past 24, 25 years. Mike, what's your website that's again great. before you go? What's your website? Well, there's two websites. You've got the Feud, the Proud, the Forgotten, uh, which is a web page, and it has a lot of information on that website. And then if you go on Facebook, it's Camp Lejeune Toxic Water Survivors. Great. Okay? Yep. Thank, Thank you guys for again, having Mike. me. Oh, thanks you're welcome. Again. Thanks, Mike. Y'all take care. Take care. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, Mike's always a, a great source of uh, information when it comes to the Camp Lejeune issues, and he's he really is on top of it. And and I I know you know he's a personal friend, and I know he spends a lot of time trying to help our uh, soldiers who were who were stationed there. And and I'm on that Camp Lejeune water contamination site as well. And uh, he is correct; it's a great place to to uh, put your your information out there about your, your your own personal situation, your own health issues, and how they may be affected by um, the Camp Lejeune water contamination, or as Mike said, with regard to the residuals. Uh, and there's always comments. There's always veterans offering their their comments, and there's a lot of great information. So if you're if you yeah, can get on that site, please do. It's it would help you. Over to you, David. Yeah. Thanks, and uh, thanks again to Mike for for being with us. Uh, hopefully. He'll... He'll keep us updated. Uh, got a few items of uh, news before we go for tonight. Uh, earlier this month, uh, the VA announced that uh, it will resume overpayment notifications for new benefit debts and debts deferred from April 6th of 2020 through September 30th of 2021 due to the COVID pandemic. As um, our listeners may recall, uh, the VA had suspended debt collection because of the COVID fa- pandemic. And they had suspended debt collection going back about a year and a half ago, April 6th of 2020. And now uh, the VA has decided they will restart uh, debt collection um, as of October 1st, in other words, uh, the beginning of this, this month. However, the VA will not deduct debts from the benefit payments until January of 2022. This was all, uh, you know, the, the postponement and the deferral was sort of in recognition of the um, uh, the economic effects of the pandemic. So the thinking is, whether it's correct or not, is that um, things have eased up or improved. Uh, but in any event, veterans that um, might owe a debt to the VA because of an overpayment or that may owe um, a medical copayment, you know, as, as many veterans know, depending on, what uh, priority group for medical care they they may owe copayments, and uh, those have been uh, suspended. And uh, the VA has announced that uh, collections on medical copayments created prior to April 6, 2020, uh, and on new medical copayments will also resume 
October the 1st of uh, 2021. For more information about this, about this uh, debt information, uh, the VA has a toll-free number. It's 1-800-827-0648. Again, veterans and any beneficiaries with questions or requiring assistance on any uh, of this debt stuff, this debt management issues with the VA, the toll-free number is 1-800-827-0648. For any, uh, and that's for for benefit debt information, for medical care and pharmacy services co-payment debt issues, you can contact the VA Health Resource Center. It's a separate number for that. It's 1-866-400-1238. Again, for questions about medical care and pharmacy services co-payment debts, uh, veterans can contact the VA Health Resource Center at one 866 Over to you, Rick. Uh, in other news, we've reported periodically over the past uh, several months, uh, earlier this year, the VA added bladder cancer, Parkinsonism, and hypothyroidism to the list of, list of illnesses that it acknowledges were caused by Agent Orange exposure in Southeast Asia. The VA also will review and pay retroactive benefits to veterans and survivors whose VA disability and death benefits claims for the three diseases were previously denied without requiring them to refile their claim. The Department of Veteran Affairs announced in a May 27, 2021 press release that will, it will begin implementing provisions of the William M. Thornberry National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2021, adding that those three conditions bladder cancer, hypothyroidism, and Parkinsonism, to the list of those presumptively associated with exposure to herbicide agents, more commonly known as Agent Orange. Many of our nation's veterans have waited a long time for these benefits, said VA Secretary Dennis McDonough. VA will not make them wait any longer. This is absolutely the right thing to do for veterans and their families. VA will apply the provisions of court orders related to the case of NEMA versus U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, which may result and an earlier effective date for entitlement to benefits for veterans who served in the Republic of Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Vietnam War era veterans and their survivors who previously filed and were denied benefits for one of these three new presumptive conditions will have their cases automatically reviewed without the need to refile a claim. VA will send letters to impacted veterans and survivors. Back to you, David. Well, thanks, Rick. Um, and, and some other news, and this is... Uh good news for for veterans um, with certain types of disability claims. Um, as we reported previously, but I wanted to remind uh, our listeners that the VA began processing disability claims August the 2nd of 2021 for asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis on a presumptive basis based on presumed particulate matter exposures during military service in Southwest Asia and certain other areas, if those conditions manifested themselves within 10 years of a veteran's qualifying period of service. What is this about? This is part of the much larger uh, issue that we've talked about many times on the show, which is uh, the exposure to uh, contamination, open-air burn pits, but other types of, of uh, contamination, um, broader to include what they call particulate matter pollution, and uh, these three conditions, chronic asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis, uh, is being recognized by 
by the VA. And this is for veterans who served in Southwest Asia, that theater of operations beginning August 2nd, 1990, which was the beginning of Operation Desert Shield. So we're talking about more than 31 years ago. From then up until the present time, and uh, that included not just Southwest Asia operations, uh, Saudi, Iraq, uh, Oman, Yemen, those areas, but also Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Syria, or Djibouti, uh, beginning September 19, 2001, which was the post-9-11 wars. So you can find out more information about this uh, on the va.gov. Just do uh, a word search for um, uh, for, any, for any of these uh, these issues, any of these conditions. So, all right, Rick, we're about out of time here. Uh, if you want to, yeah, let's tell go, us about let's go to the coaching, coaching. in the care pro- program. Coaching in the care helps veterans having difficulty transitioning to home life. Returning home can be a tough adjustment, and loved ones can help. Coaching in the Care offers free coaching to help you help your veteran. Give the program a call at 1-888-823-7458. Showers are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, the coaching, uh, VA's Coaching in the Care number is 1-888-823-7458. In addition, I w- would like to once again remind listeners that if you know a veteran who is suicidal or in a crisis of any kind, U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs also has the Veterans Crisis Line to help. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Many veterans have committed suicide because they did not help get the help they needed. Help them get the care they need to cope with their problems. Once again, the Veterans Crisis Line can help. 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Back to you, David. Well, thanks, uh, Rick. I know we have just uh, a little more time, another extra minute, so I want to... Uh mention an excellent resource uh, for veterans or for veteran organizations uh, that are looking for um, excellent resources on the issue of veteran homelessness, which has been an ongoing problem, but one in which uh, substantial progress has been made in recent years, thanks to dedicated effort by the VA and many, many uh, other team organizations. A good resource uh, to learn more about the VA's mission to end uh, veteran homelessness, go to va.gov forward slash homeless. That's va.gov forward slash homeless. And we've had many guests on our show over the last uh, uh, approaching five years now on on this show talking about uh, veteran homeless issue, but also uh, housing issues related to that. Uh, and uh, I think this is an important issue that uh, I think a lot of progress has been made because of those efforts of all those organizations. So in any event, just wanted to um, throw a shout-out uh, to that. Again, the website is va.gov forward slash homeless. Well, it's about time for us to go for this evening. I'd like to thank all of you for listening to the Veterans News Hour here on BBS Radio Station 1. Again, I'd like to thank our special guest, Mr. Mike Partain, a co-founder and public spokesman for the few, the proud, and the forgotten on the Campbell's Union toxic water contamination issue. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same station, which is uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 p.m. Mountain, and 4 p.m. Pacific time here on Station 1, bbsradio.com. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. Hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. 
We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans' issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.